Hey everybody and welcome back to the Revolutions Podcast. Today we will be talking about the Salvadoran Civil War and get a first-hand opinion on the war from our special guest, Oscar Romero. We also have a sponsor today. I know them as Mercana Coffee Farms, so we will be talking about that. Finally, we will discuss the looming danger of our own civil war in America. So stick around and let's get into it. Once again, this is the Revolutions Podcast with Grace and Lewis. Let's get it. So just for some uh, background knowledge on the uh, on El Salvador before the European and Western invasion, um, there were indigenous people living in El Salvador, including the Mayan and Papel, I think, civilizations. While they all lived at different times, they all accomplished many great feats. Some of the accomplishments made prior to the Spanish invasions were the Mayans made a calendar with 365 dates on it to help with farming and religious practices. And they were also uh, known for being great astronomers. Both the mine and Papel being skilled at math, with the Papel finding the concept of zero, and both civilizations also were centered around agriculture. The Papel were skilled in making pottery, stone carvings, and weaving, as well as gold and silver working, and the Papel also imposed laws on their land to protect their land and people. The Olmecs and Mayans also had built the pyramids and cities that you can still find today. And right now what you're hearing behind me is uh, Drake's obviously just hold on, we're coming home. I thought this was a fitting song choice, not just for the lyrics, you know, we're going back to an ancient civilization. Um, We have a guest, Oscar Romero, you know, it's his home, and while he is in the States, I thought it might be comforting. So that's the reason for the music you hear in the back, and just so you know, once again, it's Drake. Just hold on, we're going home. So, the cause for the Salvadorian War, the main causers, a lot of them, was uh, the distribution of wealth. You know, at the time, there were 14 families that owned 60% of land, and the other, and 40% of the population owned no land. Um, also, when the stark stock market crash of 1929 happened, the main export of El Salvador being coffee had lost significant value. And the loss in value of coffee caused the people who owned the coffee plantations to decrease the wages of the workers by half to lessen you know, their loss of profits. And when the 1932 elections happened, um, members of the Communist Party um, and the Party of the Lower Class were not allowed to take seat in their government positions. And when this happened, these working and lower caste people planned for an insurrection to demand better working and living conditions. And in response, the Salvadoran government massacred about 30,000 people. And after the massacre, the military began to rule the government, and mil- military dictators began ruling El Salvador as well as the as greater disparities between the poor and the rich. So the song you're hearing right now is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. I thought it was a good song choice for the part that we're at in the Salvadorian, or in the Civil War, because, um, you know, right now it's a lot of suppressing of the people. You know, it's at first just the government political leaders. 
and then it goes to um, the military after they take the government, you know, just trying to suppress the working class and um, lower class people of El Salvador. And I thought that relates, relates to fight the power because fight the power, fight the power relate, uh, talks a lot about, you know, the suppression of African Americans in the United States. So now we're at the point where uh, revolutionaries kind of start. And uh, we're beginning to see, um, you know, kind of people fight back. And One of the first revolutionaries could be seen in 1932 when a person named Augustine Marty led a group of poor people to a revolt against the government. Uh, this led, you know, to 40 li years later, revolutionaries were now voting for the president in the Democratic Party, also known as Jose Duarte. And succeeding in the vote went on uh, marches and protests to bring awareness to the issues that were happening, creating an anti-military faction. Some politicians and police officers had joined to create an organization called uh, the JRG for short, that in 1979 overthrew the government. Also, there was another anti-government group called the FMLN that tried to bring down the JRG after they were in power. So the song I chose to represent uh, the moderate stage of the Salvadorian Civil War was 16 Shots. Um, it's a song about Black Lives Matter protests and the killing of innocent, unarmed black men and women and children. And I felt like this went well with the Salvadorian uh, Civil War protests because, you know, like how Black Lives Matter is trying to, you know, get equal rights and um, equal liberties for uh, African Americans. Uh, the Salvadorian protests are, you know, for their basic needs, you know, for um, the equal rights between the poor and the rich and just for their basic needs to be met of, you know, needing more money to be able to provide for their family. So I felt like they were very close and how, how, and what they represent and how Black Lives Matter protests have led to many violence has led to a lot of violence, as well as uh, the Salvadorian protests, too, at the time were leading to lots of violence. So at this point, you might be wondering how those in power kind of respond to all these revolts and, you know, kind of the dictatorships that have been coming and going and, you know, kind of what's going on with the government. And when the revolt in 1932, led by Augustine Marty, Marti, Marti happened, the government responded by killing 30,000 people. When the 1972 election happened and the wrath they won, he wasn't allowed to have a seat in the government and instead he was arrested and sent off to Venezuela. So basically they took, you know, who the poor people wanted and who was going to give them, at least what we think, um, you know, the basic rights and needs that they needed and wanted or to at least fix what was happening in the nation. And instead, the rich and the powerful just sent them off. And this led to a lot of marches and protests. And the police just, at these marches and protests, opened fire and killed dozens. And even though the JRG had overthrown the government, and were seen as a sign of hope for a better government to the people, they uh, weren't, basically, and they were just as bad or worse. And when the FMLN began attacking the government, the government fought back 
with the aid of the United States. The song I chose to represent this stage in the revolution is uh, Pop Out by Polo G and Lil TJ. And the reason I picked this um, song is because at this point, this is basically the lowest it goes. You know, 30,000 are killed. It's, uh, I mean, it's just a terrible event, it's a massacre. And the song really just talks about what happened. You know, it's killing and it's ordered of them, but it's still like, you don't kill. There's no way, you know, what, five officers killed 30,000 people. So for the crisis stage, I chose the song Pop Out by Polo G featuring Lil TJ. And the reason I chose this song is because this song, I mean, it basically talks about murder. Basically, exactly what happens um, at these protests where the 30,000 people were inevitably killed. And it specifically connects, the song specifically connects to the events when he says, I'm a killer girl, I'm sorry, but I can't change. We ain't aiming for your body, shots hit your brain. And this relates to the Civil War, as the government gave the police orders to open fire on the civil civilians of protests against the Salvadorian government, killing 30,000 people. And just the fact that they killed that many people shows that they had no remorse. That even the police, because the people had to outnumber the police. So the fact that the, the police didn't kill one people person and stop there and be like, this is wrong, that they kept going shows that they either thought that this was the right thing to do or that they were just okay with it and agreed with it. And I think that the song and the attitude that Polo G shows in the song with those lyrics kind of gives us a look into the mind of the soldier and or of the police and into the mind of the government of being able to, just willing to kill people to stay in power. So basically what the Civil War led to in the short term was both sides had to finally agree to a peace accord and the Salvadoran military force had been reduced down to 70,000 and many Salvadorans had become refugees as their homes were lost to the war or they were released from uh, prison as you know war prisoners or for even torture or other things of that nature. Um, long, the long-term effects or outcomes of the Civil War were that immigration and gang violence had gone up, and thus far, over 2 million people have immigrated from El Salvador as a result of the Civil War. Now, for what you could, air quote, in air quotes, called the recovery stage, uh, I chose All Right by Kendrick Lamar, as things seem to finally be not resolved, but things are getting better. And the Salvadoran community has survived this brutal war. And while, you know, they are facing refugee problems, immigration, and, you know, gang violence, it's not nearly, I don't think it's nearly as bad as, you know, the, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people killed on their own land. And, you know, as Kendrick Lamar would say in the song, you know, we're going to be all right. You know, hopefully as time goes by, um, you know, they'll begin to continue to recover, and, you know, I wish them the best. Now, for our, the most important event to me in this whole 
Civil War was in 1932 when the government massacred those 30,000 people protesting just for their rights and just, you know, because they wanted things to be better. I don't feel that there was any malice in their heart. I don't think they were violent at all in the protest. They just wanted to see change. They wanted to see their lives get better. And, you know, what did they get? They had their government turn on them again and completely just slaughter them. 30,000 people losing their life, trying to fight for better living conditions so that they can feed their children and even feed themselves. And to me, that was the most important event for me, just seeing how, you know, people of a same nation, born in the same place, can turn on each other so quickly. And for what? To maintain power, to maintain your land, or to maintain your income. It's just, it's crazy the whole money has on us and, you know, how how willing we are to really to do inhumane things just to keep it or, you know, to get more of it. So I think for me that was the saddest thing I read or researched was in 1932 when the government massacred those 30,000 protesters. So one of the people who I thought played a really massive role who we'll obviously get to later is Oscar Romero. And for the song, I chose to kind of represent him and his role in the war is Everybody by Logic. You know, Oscar Romero was known for speaking out against poverty, social injustice, assassinations, and torture that uh, were things that were growing um, amid the, you know, start of the war. And I felt like Everybody by Logic kind of represented that because, you know, Logic throughout the song is just saying, you know, everybody's equal. You know, rich or poor, um, black or white, you know, we're all the same. We all we all need something, you know, we all bleed. And the part that really stuck with me the most was when he says everybody people, everybody bleed, everybody needs something. And when he says need something, I just instantly thought about how, you know, and I know I keep reiterating this, but how those people, all they wanted was just a wage that they could live off of. And they just wanted things to be equal. And just the fact that they, those people in power who owned 60% of the land um, and wanted to keep it that way and keep it growing and really just keep it growing for themselves and not help anyone else, you know, it really made me think of Oscar Romero because he was kind of one of the only voices for the lower class. And I felt like um, that song really... Sh represents his activism and, you know, just the important role he played in um, speaking for his people. Uh, for my second person, I picked Augustine Marty, and obviously he was one of the dictators that uh, led the, uh, he was a right-wing dictator who um, led his side, and I, for the song to represent him, I chose The World Is Yours, as every dictator feels the world is theirs, right or wrong. You know, they, and I think that's something all dictators share is that they all think that whatever they say goes, whatever they say is right, and, you know, they're the only ones that can do it. And I think they have a sense of entitlement that makes them feel like the, that the world is yours, not in a positive way, like they believe in themselves, but that they think that, you know, they should control the world, that the world, 
you know, should adhere to him, them. And then finally, for the last important person or group, I picked the United States, and I decided to go with neighbors, and I said that, and I think this kind of relates to it, because the United States is like J. Cole's neighbors, and we're kind of going into something that doesn't really involve us, you know? And while, yes, things were going just terribly, I think if we were going to go in, we needed to go on in on the right side. And I felt like we didn't do that. I felt like we went with the dictators, we went with the government militia instead of going with the people and going with, you know, those left-wing groups that Oscar Romero was a part of. And, you know, I felt like we didn't handle it as well as we should have, you know, and, um, yeah. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Sitting across from me today, I have Oscar Romero. How are you doing today, Oscar? Doing well, doing well. How are you? Great. Now, Oscar, could you just tell the listeners at home a little bit about yourself and your role in history? Why, yes, of course. Like you said, my name is Oscar Romero. I was born on August 15, 1917 and I served as the fourth Archbishop of San Salvador. I am most remembered for speaking for the people of El Salvador and advocating for peace instead of the war that was happening in my country. Now, what people were you advocating for? I advocated for the people who need it most, lower-class citizens who unfortunately, while much larger in my country than any other social class, have no voice. They have no say in what direction our country is going. And now, even though it might seem obvious why you try to be a voice for these people, why do you do so? Do you feel sort of an obligation? No, I don't feel obligated at all. Just because I'm a child of God or that I am an archbishop doesn't mean I do it just because of that. I do it because I feel it is the right thing to do. I've seen the things that work and do to people, especially poor people, and to countries the inhuman things that happen to these people. These people need help. They need a voice. Someone to represent them and speak for them. And I feel I can be one of those people. So do you feel what you were doing helped? Listen, at the end of the day, I can only do so much. I'm only an archbishop. Not only that, but almost everyone is going against me. Everyone wants me to stop helping these people. They want to see me fail. All I can do is pray. Pray for the health of the people of this country and continue to be a voice for those people. So to answer your question, I'd say yes, I'm helping people. But I don't think I'm stopping this one anyway. I see myself as more of a comforter for the people of this war. I see myself as the blanket the young boy uses to comfort himself as he hears the screams and gunshots outside of his home. And that's all I can do is comfort these people with the word of God. What type of things did you see during the war? What inhumane things have you seen? Things I saw. I saw people have basic needs and necessities taken from them as well as their rights. I've seen murder, heard stories of torture and kidnapping. I've seen people die in front of their own homes. The one place they're supposed to be safe and protective got to the point where more than 3,000 people were dying a month. It's sad when you think about it. Obviously war is sad, but the fact that a country 
a group of people that are supposed to be connected under one flag and are supposed to be united as one can get so divided, divided enough to want to kill each other. And why? Because the rich continue to want to keep the poor down. Thank you for spending your time with us today, Mr. Moromero. Of course, anytime. So for the last part of our podcast, we will be having a conversation about quite an interesting topic and really scary topic. And the final topic for today's show is, is America in danger of another civil war between the right and left wings of the government? And if so, um, you know, what can we really do to stop it? So I feel the only way to start this conversation is to start by addressing America's divide. And I feel like the country is more divided than it really ever has been, to be honest. With the rise of social media, I feel we never see discussions anymore about controversial topics or opinions. And we instead see just arguments that ultimately lead to nowhere with no changed opinions. And it oftentimes feels that you are either on one side of a topic or another and that there's really no more in between. Yeah, I do agree that we are divided, but I wouldn't say we are more divided than we ever have been. I think that this is kind of how it's always been. I think with the rise of social media, we are more exposed to other people's opinions and views more than ever compared to when we had no social media. Because before social media, normally, you know, you'd surround yourself with people of the same ideas. And while you can do that with social media, I feel like the things like the Explorer page and comments, we are more exposed to opinions that we don't agree with. I think also, though, that people just feel more comfortable than ever saying whatever they want or feel like freely without um, any consequence. Um, You know, with, um, you know, kind of social media having that um, option to be anonymous, so I think people are just wanting to say whatever they think or comes to their mind before they really, um, you know, think about it. It's just instinctive, and I think that we're no longer thinking about what we're saying, and we're just saying it. But I don't feel that it's all social media. I think we blame social media for so many things, but I feel that this one has nothing to do with it. At the end of the day, people will always have different opinions and preferences. Sure, maybe social media makes it more public, but to act like it, America's divide is caused completely by social media just doesn't make sense to me. But then what is making this divide then? I mean, we saw the surveys. People really do think that this civil war is a possibility. So what is the cause if it's not social media? You know, what other real causes could there be um, that have caused this divide that we have in this country? Trump. The dude is obviously a white supremacist, and he continues to try to divide the right and the left farther and farther. Since his election, you either love him or you hate him. There is no in-between. And you're trying to say social media divides us more than our own president. I agree with everything you said about Trump, but I just don't believe then what he's been in the office, what, only two years? I just don't see, um, I just don't see the fact that he was in office for two years 
that he, in that time span, divided this country so much to the point that now people believe we're going to have a civil war. It has to be something that has been around long enough to make a continuing effect and something that has been constant and prevalent in our lives. And I think social media is that is a combination of all three of those values. I just disagree. It can't be just linked back at one thing. Well, anyways, during the podcast, we've obviously been talking about the Salvadoran War. And you know how I feel that the reason, obviously, of the Civil War was, you know, the economic inequality of the country. And I feel that, you know, something that we can really take and learn from this war is that as citizens, we have to not just continue to communicate our needs with the government, but we also need to put people in the office that are fit for the task and solve the issues we need them to solve. We need to put qualified, educated people in office. I feel that we see the effects of not doing so with El Salvador and even our country today. Now, obviously, some of what happened wasn't by choice with multiple dictatorships, but we need to put people in the office that we feel can handle the issues that this country has and can keep us together instead of divide us. We can't let the rich and powerful take control of this country, and the way we do this is by just voting. We outnumber the rich, and we need to use these numbers to keep people out of office whose goals are not to help all the people of this country, but only help the rich and powerful. And I think that this is something that can help in keeping our country from the civil war we have been talking about. Finally, to help finish off the pod today, we have a, um advertisement. Um, listen, everyone drinks coffee. I mean, who doesn't? The coffee business is finally growing again in El Salvador, and one of the best coffee makers in the game, Mercada Coffee Farms, is now hiring. So send in your resumes. Mercada Coffee Farms is one of the most bought coffee products around, and you might be drinking it right now. Get expert training in not only the farming of coffee beans, but also the science and teachings to make the delicious cup of coffee. With opportunities to move up in the company, there's no reason not to send your resume right now. Go to www.goodmercadacoffee.com and get brewing. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us on the Revolutions Podcast. Um, obviously, had a great interview with Oscar Romero. Um, finished off with a great debate, and glad that we could inform you guys on the Salvadoran Civil War. So... Thank you once again for joining the uh, Revolutions Podcast, and this is Grayson signing off.